Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. John chapter 3, we'll begin in verse 16. We all know it. John 3.16, that beautiful text, the one we memorize as children, the one that, that you can go to a sporting event and people will hold up a sign that just says John 3.16. You, you might go by bridges and see it spray painted on the side of the bridge in graffiti, John 3.16. This text and the, the, the texts that we're looking at this morning are about God's love. God's love for the world, God's love for us, God's plan and God's sacrifice that He made on our behalf. And it is about man's response. What we must do. How we can know Jesus. How we can know God. How we can be forgiven. This, these, this verse and these verses encapsulate the message of the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It is so familiar to us and we know what familiarity breeds. Right? Familiarity breeds contempt, contempt is what the saying says. It also breeds indifference. We can become so familiar that we can become numb to the reality of how amazing this verse is. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall have not, not perish but have everlasting life. Let's feel this verse today. And the verses that go along with it. We'll begin in verse 16 and we'll go through verse 21. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son, the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your plan to send your Son that we can be forgiven, that we can be saved, that we can have eternal life. 
Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you you loved us when we were unlovable. Father, we pray that you would this morning give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, be with me, a sinner, a broken one, one who has fled from the light, but you have drawn me to you. Lord, help me as I preach your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Four. Four. It begins with just this four, this, this connecting word that connects it to what happens before. And what do we see before Jesus tells Nicodemus about how this story of, of in the book of Numbers, whenever the people were grumbling against God. And how God sent snakes to bite them. These poisonous snakes and Moses interceded, he prayed, God, do something, don't destroy your people. And God told Moses, make a bronze snake, put it on a pole, lift it high, and whoever looks on it will be saved. And Jesus said, in the same way that happened with the people of Israel in in Numbers, that must happen to me. That must happen to the Son of Man. I must be lifted up and I'll draw all men to me. Whoever looks at Jesus on the cross will be saved. So this for means, here's an explanation. This is what I mean. Here's so you can better understand what I just said about this snake that was lifted up and how the Son of Man is like that. For God. God. Who is this God? This subject of the sentence. For God. He is the infinite, eternal all-wise, all-loving One who has existed from all eternity past as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as a trinity of persons. For God, He is perfect in every single way. He He dwells in unapproachable light, the Scripture tells us. He is holy. To look at Him, we would die. For God so loved. So loved. The verb here, loved, we throw it around too carelessly. We talk about how I love pizza. I, I, I love this music group. I love this television show. But God so loved. He means something so much more. And the word so, He so loved the world. 
He so loved the world, meaning it's a compare. It's it's not a comparison. It's 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 saying this is how much I love the world, so much that I did something. I love the world so much that I did something. He says, "For God so loved the world, the world." This. If you've read anything else in John's writings, might sound strange. If you read 1 John, John tells us, do not love the world or the things in the world, for the love of the Father is not in them. Is there a contradiction? What does he mean by world? Well, John in 1 John... He's talking about the world's system, worldliness, being addicted to the things of this world, of of stuff and trying to acquire things for ourselves. But when when John here says, for God so loved the world, he's not talking about the same thing he was talking about in 1 John. He's talking about people, the people that he made. He's not talking about the planet. He's not saying, I loved earth so much. He's talking about people of every tribe, tongue, and nation. You know, he didn't say, for God so loved the Jews. He said, for God so loved the world. He didn't say, for God so loved white people. He didn't say, for God so loved rich people. Or poor people. For God so loved good people. He didn't say that. He said, for God so loved the world. Everyone. No conditions at all. No conditions. Anyone. God so loved the world. That. Oh, here we are coming up. This is how much God loved the world. That. He gave. He gave. He didn't give us an opportunity to buy something. It's a gift. It's grace. He didn't say we have to earn it. He gave. What did He give? He gave His only Son. His only Son. Only. I think of Abraham. When God told Abraham to take His Son, His only Son, the One you love, and take Him up on the mountain and sacrifice Him to Me. We hear that word only. And points out so much to us. This was His precious One. The One He loved. The One He loved from all eternity past. We're here seeing something of the Trinity. God sent His only Son. God from all eternity past existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Something we know about our God 
is that He exists as a Trinity. He had to exist as a Trinity. That is His nature. But when you look at other religions, and particularly when you look at Islam, they do not have God as love. They don't see Him as a God of love. They see Him one as a, 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 a single singularity with, without persons within Himself. But as a trinity, you have God the Father and God the Son from all eternity past existing with a relationship of love from all eternity. The reason why we can say God is love is He has existed from all eternity with a relationship within Himself between the Father and the Son. His only Son. This unique one. No one like Him who has existed from all eternity past with Him, and He gave the most precious thing of all. Because He loved the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that... Why did He give the Son? He's about to tell us why. That whoever believes... Whoever, whoever, or whosoever, anybody, doesn't matter if you're red, yellow, black, or white, rich, or poor, doesn't matter if you're smart or not so smart, I'm in luck. No conditions at all. Whoever, but there is one condition whoever believes, whoever believes. Whoever believes just anything? And this belief, it's not just an intellectual assent. It's not just saying, well, yeah, I, I believe that. I believe that Jesus is God's Son in the same way I believe 2 plus 2 is 4. Or that George Washington was the first president. It's not that kind of belief, but whenever the Bible here talks about belief, it's throwing our weight on Him. Believing on Him, trusting in Him, believing in Him like, I believe that if I sit down in that chair, it's going to hold me up. Believe. Whoever believes, is it just belief? Just naked belief? Just bare belief? Like Peter Pan. Like when, when Tinkerbell was dying and, and all the, the people were saying, oh, oh, just say, I believe, I believe, I believe in fairies, right? It's not just some kind of blind belief in nothing. It's not just belief by itself, but no, he says, whoever believes in Him. In Him. Who is that? In Jesus. In the Son. Who if you put your weight on Jesus, trust in Him. As He is the way, the truth, and the life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish. Shall not perish. In Genesis chapter 3, or actually in the first three chapters of Genesis, God comes to Adam and Eve. 
He gives them one rule. Do not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that you do it, you shall die. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 after it, For the wages of sin is death. We have all by our sin earned death. We have earned this perishing. And by perishing, it, it, it's not like we just go into, into non-existence. Like the, the goal in Eastern religions such as Buddhism and Hinduism, they, they desire to just go into non-existence, into nirvana, to just be absorbed in the universe, to just no longer exist. That's not perishing according to the Bible. Shall not perish. It means shall not go to hell. Perishing in the biblical view is to be thrown into hell where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth and the worm does not die. An eternal torment that goes on forever and ever and ever and ever without end. Burning torment forever. And Jesus tells us, John tells us, For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish. Shall not go to that place of eternal torment, but shall have eternal life. shall live forever. The preacher, believers still die, don't we? Yes, we may lay our bodies down into the grave. We bury them, but we do not grieve as those who have no hope in the world. Because we believe that Jesus has defeated death and we, though we die physically in this world, He will raise us with him, Just like when we baptize, we are pointing to a picture of what Jesus has done and the fact that He died, He was buried, and He was risen again. And in our own lives, our old man died, we're buried with Christ, and we raise with Him to live a new kind of life. And in the future, though we may die physically, one day He's coming and we will raise with Him Amen. and live Eternally. This gift of eternal life is open to all who believe. Red, yellow, black, and white, rich and poor. Doesn't matter about intellect. It is grace. He gave His only Son that we could have eternal life. This is God's plan. It was His plan. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But the next verse says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world through Him might be saved. 
His plan was that He sent His Son, and His purpose was that He intended to save. In the Old Testament, there was many times whenever the prophets would talk about the day of the Lord, the day whenever God would come and visit the earth. And this wasn't a kind of a good visit, like whenever I come and visit you when you're in the hospital or visit you at home whenever you just need to have someone to fellowship with. No, this is a visit of judgment. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. This day of the Lord. This time whenever the Jews expected God would come in vengeance upon all of His enemies. But here, John tells us, He did not come to judge the world. He didn't come to judge all the nations that riled against Him. He came that the world might be saved through Him. That was God's purpose. His plan was to send His Son. His purpose was to save. And then the next verse. Verse 18, Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. We saw God's plan. We saw God's purpose. And here is God's predilection. Now that, that's a word I was using just so that I could get the P's in a row. You know, plan, purpose, predilection. Predilection means God's favor. God's choice. He chose that whoever believes would be saved. But those who do not believe are condemned already. And before we believed, we were in that state. We were condemned. Before we trusted in Christ, before we believed on Him, we were lost. We were sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the Master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters lifted me now. Safe am I. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. And we look out into the world and we see people who don't know our Jesus. We look out and see our neighbors and our friends and our family who don't know this Jesus and they are condemned. They're condemned without Him. And so we preach. We lift up this Jesus like the serpent was lifted up on a pole, like Jesus, the Son of Man, was lifted up. Whoever believes on Him shall be saved. And we lift up Jesus. We preach the Gospel. We preach to the nations. We preach to our friends and relatives. We let this story be told of Jesus and His love. So that those who were in darkness can come to the light. So that those who were condemned can be forgiven. Now man's response. We've talked about God's love, God's plan, God's purpose, God's predilection. 
Now we're looking at man's response, and here we'll be seeing about man's response to light. Verse 19 says, And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. The Bible tells us that we hate the light. Apart from Christ, we despise the light. We don't want anything to do with it. When we hear the Gospel preached for the first time, our inward core rejects it. I don't want to believe that. We don't want to believe how sinful we are. We don't want to believe that we can't even do anything to save ourselves. We want to believe that, hey, we're not all that bad. And we hate the light. That is the abhorrence of the light. We hate it. We abhor it. We hate the light. That is all of our condition before we know Jesus. And then the avoidance of the light. The next verse tells us, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. As Jesus comes into the world, it is like a flashlight shining upon us in the dark. Actually, much better than a flashlight, like the sun shining. It's all of its brilliance against our sin. What happens when you walk into a dark room that's filthy, dirty, has cockroaches everywhere? And you turn on the light switch, what happens? They scatter everywhere. We're like that. When the light comes on, we flee. We don't come to the light because our deeds are evil. We don't want to be exposed. And how are we saved? We repent. We admit. We agree with God. We are sinful. We can do nothing. We throw ourselves on Jesus as our only hope, no longer trusting in ourselves. We abhor the light. We uh, uh, avoid the light. But because of God's grace, believers accept the light. Believers come to the light. But whoever does not, uh, whoever does what is true, comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Whoever does what is true, I think, means the same thing as whoever believes. This is not talking about a work salvation does what is true. It's talking about believing. Who, if, you, if you do what is true, that means you have thrown yourself on Jesus. You have believed in the name of the Son of God. You trust in Him alone for your salvation, for your eternity. And we can come to the light. We can repent of our sins. We can agree with God and say, I have sinned. I am undeserving. And we can come to the light. And we are not afraid. Because when we come to the light, what is seen is not our works. But it says, 
that our works have been wrought in God. We no longer, when God looks at us, when we come to the light, God no longer sees our sin, our filth. He sees that our works have been wrought in God. It is grace. It is what He did. God's works in Jesus Christ are counted to us. When we have faith in Jesus, when we trust in Him, when we come to the light, we don't have the fear, oh, my deeds are going to be exposed. Instead, we say, it is all of grace. It is all of grace. Look at what He did. And it magnifies Him and His grace. It gives Him glory because it was not in us. It was in Him. It was what He did for us. So again, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. It is open to all who believe. Do not run from the light. Do not reject His Son. Do not turn away from Him. Because if you do not believe, you are condemned already. But if you believe, if you trust in Him, if you throw yourself down on Him, you inherit eternal life. And you give God glory because it is all a work of His grace. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.